Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome back to part two of Homo Sapiens, my chat with Reverend Richard Coles. What can I say other than if you haven't heard part one, go and listen to that on the feed and then come back for part two. If you have, here's part two. Did you ever have any kind of therapy afterwards? Yeah, a year after he died and after I'd been talking to a friend of mine who is a bereavement therapist, she recommended I contact someone and I've been seeing a bereavement therapist now for over a year. And she's been fantastic. Yeah, really good. But it was a year before I could even do that. And I don't know why. I just, I think it was so enormous. I couldn't think, how can I get this into words? How can I even embark on a path which is going to go into this somehow? Mm -hmm. I felt like it was, I felt like I was being in some tiny little spacecraft trying to re-enter Earth's atmosphere at an unpropitious angle. And I would bounce (laughs) off and disappear into space. Mm. You described it as, um, which I thought was lovely turn of phrase, which was, grief is like being on a holiday you don't want to be on. Oh, yeah. A tourist in a place you don't want to be. Yeah. And it is this endless walk around an unpromising town of boring churches and closed galleries and bad mm. restaurants. and uh, But the scene changes all the time, but you keep finding yourself in the same old street with a mm. mid-priced hotel where the internet doesn't work, you know? Mm. I'm sure you never go on holidays in places like that, Chris. I've been on some dodgy holidays, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, I know exactly what you mean about you can't do anything about it for a year afterwards because I remember when my dad died, my mum, I I said, oh, you know, let's do some, let's get you some grief counselling and, but it wasn't for a year, you know, like we just, it's it's almost like the ringing is too loud for you to have any concept of anything else. But what I found really interesting is so my dad died four or five years ago, so it wasn't the same time as David at all. But I was very struck how you were able to verbalise what you were feeling when David died. And it was very beautiful things you said and very eloquently capturing a lot. Thank but you. I, just being really honest, when my dad died, I adored my dad. Um, but I don't think I ever really felt a huge amount of sadness in the way that I thought I would. It didn't... Yeah. And I think that that is because, and I wonder what you think of this, depends what kind of person you are, but I think if you've grown up gay, you have cauterized some elements of your emotions at quite a young age. And I actually find that I'm not able to access those things, which 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have been aware of that. But through therapy and all those things, I kind of realized that actually, I just hit a wall. um, And therefore, perhaps haven't processed some of it. I think that's really um, acute, actually. Uh, I mean, I think for me, and I don't know how old you are, I'm 60, so... Uh, for, um, uh, 39 is my stage <laughs> Of course it is. 59 <laughs> is mine. Um, but uh, but I, I think in my post-45, I have demilitarised myself, and I realised that from about 15 <laughs> to 45, I was a little fighter because I grew up in a world which was hostile, which wanted Mm -hmm. me not to exist, which didn't Mm -hmm. protect me from the worst 
epidemic um, that you could possibly imagine that was indifferent mm. to the suffering of me and my the people I loved and cared about. So what do you do? You put on armour, you take up arms, you do everything you can, and that's mm. good and right and proper. And then you get to 45 and you think exactly what you said. There are parts of me, vulnerabilities, that I have never allowed to exist. And mm. they're really important parts of me, and I am deficient in some ways because of that. And mm. then with David, I found somebody who was absolutely determinedly taking me into all those places, and I had to take off my armour and mm. make myself vulnerable. And it was essential to do it because I don't want to live a life where I'm deprived of that stuff. I want to mm. live a life that is open to pain and joy and excitement and fear, challenge and anxiety and fulfilment. Life in its fullness, which is what Christ says the offer is, it's not happiness, it's not contentment, it's not serenity, mm. it's life in its fullness. But that also means you get kicked in the bollocks, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And isn't it great to learn that you can be kicked in the bollocks and carry on? And not it's not going to end you. To live in fear of it is no life. Oh, fear is the worst, isn't it? The toxic effects of mm. unacknowledged fear. I mean, you know, everyone has... There are dynamics to our lives, but I think it's a very common one in people. I'm just interested that I look around and I, and I look at my own parish and I look at the kids in our school and I look at my own parishioners and those who have realised that they, they are LGBT. Mm. It's not a big deal. It's still a big deal for some, but actually the world is mm. kinder. Their friends are supportive. Their families are often supportive. Not always, but much more often than in my day. And I think this is really good. This is what was worth fighting for. And then mm. sometimes I had a boy who was 15 who uh, took his own life. He was he was a gay guy. And, and he had everything which should have protected him from that terrible uh, failure of self-regard or self-preservation. Mm. And, uh, and he took his own life and it was devastating for everybody. And I thought... It's still really dangerous for young LGBT people. Really dangerous. It's really dangerous, obviously, in awful places where people are still routinely discriminated against and mm. treated with unspeakable violence and cruelty. And, you know, it's difficult for me because until the end of the month, I am a paid representative of an organisation which has not distinguished itself with behaving justly towards LGBT people. And one of the toughest mm. things in my life has been justifying how I remain part of that institution and at the same time recognise the effect that's had on people's lives. Mm. Um, and where where are we at with the church and LGBT-ness? Well, I mean, there are two answers to that question. If you go to my parish or to many other parishes, you would walk in and find a gathering of people who are exactly like the people everywhere. So we have LGBT mm. members who just get on with it. We have people who have LGBT sons, daughters, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sisters who mm. were brothers and brothers who were sisters and so on. And that's just how life is, and that's good. But if you go into some churches or if you go up a level, you will find an organisation which is still, for reasons that are profound and sincerely held and historic, just find the idea that equality can be offered to people who are LGBT unthinkable. And we've had an ongoing debate about it for many, many years. And that's gone through various iterations and has generally ended with people saying comforting words and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And... 
I think lots of people are impatient with that now. And that's sharpened the debate. But the people who are perhaps most powerful in that debate are the people who are most dogged in their determination not to allow uh, inclusion and equality for LGBT people. So I'm sorry to say that the church, which I thought was making some progress, it's sometimes difficult to see progress at the moment, and that's hard work. I remember you saying a while back that you felt that maybe almost the moment had passed for them to come up to speed. Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult feeling, but I think I'm not the only person who feels it. That there, I think there was perhaps an opportunity when the church could have aligned itself with a world which has got used to LGBT people as nothing remarkable or different. Mm. Just, you know, I think homosexuality is just a variation on the universal theme of sexuality. I think mm. homosexuals are made by God, and there is nothing in that which would alienate you from God or in any way inhibit the action of grace in your life. And I know that from my own experience. I know that from, you know, it's just a no-brainer for me. Mm. But there are lots of people who, for doctrinal reasons or other reasons perhaps, just won't go there. And that mm. worries me because I think the Church of England, the Church of England I love, has always been a place which has been hesitant to pronounce too rigorously on matters of doctrine. So it's been roomy and broad, and there have been people inside it who wouldn't find a home in any other church or religion have found a home in the Church of England. And also we exist for the benefit of our non-members. Most of the stuff I do in my own parish is for the benefit of people who don't have anything to do with church. And that seems to me to be demonstrative of a kind of generous and inclusive generosity, actually, which is mm. what I want to be part of. And I find that is perhaps dwindling. And that what's re replacing it or what's asserting itself as that declines is something which is more fierce, rigorous, and unwelcoming. And to tell you, I think there are reasons for that. People think what's important is to preserve the tradition, to maintain faithfulness to the doctrines and the creeds and scripture, and to, without that, it would lose authority. Without authority, it would have no purchase in people's lives. And I get the arguments. I just don't think this is the issue around which those arguments fall or stand. Mm. Where do you think we'll be or the church will be in 500 years time well my clairvoyance is very poor as mm -hmm. uh, you would know if you saw my lamentable performance in football sweepstakes <laughs> so i don't know i mean the good news is is that jesus christ is risen from the dead so that's the good news okay and that's untouched mm -hmm. by time indifference or anything so that's good what we do with it, how we serve it, if it makes sense to people, if we make it persuasive, if we make it unpersuasive, those are other matters. And I don't know. And it may be the mm. case, of course, that... You see, we're also... Christianity rather rests on the notion that dead things suddenly come surprisingly alive. Now, mm. you know, that is not a scenario that one encounters often mm. in the reality of the world. But nonetheless, that's the enduring truth at the heart of it i think mm. so we may die but we will live and live in ways that we have not imagined mm. and and the irony being that in i remember you saying that um uh i'm probably misquoting you bridget i apologize but was your calling to faith you said felt quite similar to coming out oh yeah it, it really was it was i can no longer ignore what is coming into focus and that is the truth wow. about me and mm. where I fit in to the world. It was mm. very similar, actually.
Um, that's interesting, isn't it? And the other person, a friend of mine, pointed out that having spent my whole life fighting, 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 fighting for gay rights, I end up in the one organisation that is legally <laughs> exempt from honouring them. So, you know, perhaps <laughs> I like the fight too. I don't know. Yeah, well, I do love how you speak out, you know, and I, I've always admired that, that, you know, it's that kind of... Um, there's no, you're not going to be swayed by any sense of decorum. You're not going to put your own beliefs at the door, but you you have your faith and therefore you will represent in both ways, I suppose. Yeah, and also Christianity is complex and profound. Mm. It's been around for a long time and within its traditions, people have thought and written and mobilised around the stuff that it continues to fascinate and compel us, really big questions of life. So mm. there's a lot in there that is worth paying attention to. Mm. And that means also that we fight because it's about people being real. You know, be authentic and engage. And if you are authentic and engage, you'll get into fights. And everyone, you know, is a bit bruised and knocked and I'm conscious that speaking about that, about my experience in faith, is just very similar to my experience in as someone who was involved in the story of LGBT people in the second half mm. of the 20th century and beyond. Yeah, and that period of your life, just spinning back a bit, because you said a lovely thing about Jimmy Somerville, which I adored. When you met him, he kind of changed your life because he taught you about entitlement and he taught yeah. you about people being different is that right yeah and that's one of the reasons why i'm a parish priest now is because you know i'm i'm one of the great things about being gay is the commonwealth that forms around it so yeah. i ran away to london and i threw my lot in with jimmy somerville who came from a very tough sectarian working class tenement background because mm. i didn't understand a word he said for six months honestly mm. and then but we had this common purpose and because of that we were bound together we were a band of brothers mm. we really were and what i learned from jimmy is I wake up in the morning and I think, where is the rising arc of my life going to take me now? The arc that began to rise because I'm a privileged person who has a sense of entitlement to things in life. Jimmy would wake up in the morning and just think, am I going to eat today? Will mm -hmm. I not be punched today? And that was really good for me. And it's made me, I think, a better pastor, actually, because I'm very conscious that my assumptions about life are conditioned by my experience and that other people's mm. assumptions about life, especially people who are marginalised and disliked. I spend a lot of my time, I have spent a lot of my ministry with travellers, people I find endlessly fascinating and the ministry endlessly rewarding. And part of it is because they are so often demonised and mm. not allowed to have feelings and emotions and hopes and dreams and ambitions and complexity and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think if you are involved in parish ministry in particular you can't sustain well i don't know perhaps you can actually i hope you can't really sustain those assumptions or those prejudices that arise from them for long because you will be challenged constantly by the things people say and do yeah because being lgbt maybe less today but don't know um but it forces you to go and find people doesn't it and in doing that you meet people who aren't like you yeah. because if, if everything you have if everything around you suits you just fine it means you don't explore the sad byproduct of that is that you think and i'm generalizing but there is some truth here i promise uh is that you think everyone else is like you as well yeah. and that yeah. is where prejudice is born it's the bud 
that grows into prejudice, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The other thing that's dangerous is that if you are an oppressed minority and a marginalised person fighting your corner, you don't really have to think so much about your own virtue. You get your virtuous because of who you are. It's like being a cyclist. You're always in the right in an argument on the road because you're the one who gets hit, right? So cyclists yeah. are always right in their minds because they're vulnerable. And yeah. they're the ones who are often, you know, who come off worst if a car, they get in a tangle with a car. And I think often with people who are in oppressed minorities too, you can become, it's really dangerous and it happens very easily, but you can become your own aggression or desire to dominate or mean behaviour you can become blind to it or you can dignify it by pretending it's somehow righteous or virtuous and it may mm. not be. The thing I love about Christianity is that it just won't let you get away with that stuff at all and it's constantly you're obliged to account for your own self-seeking stratagems, your deliberate attempts to avoid asking yourself the difficult question. The mm. personal disciplines of it are really are fascinating, I think. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you said a minute ago, till the end of the month, I'm a representative, yeah. what did you mean by that? I retire as vicar of Finden. Goodness gracious me, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, no, I've signed my deed irrevocably surrendering the living of Finden to the Lord Bishop of Peterborough, who wrote me a very That's nice me. letter saying, I'm sorry, but of course I understand. And why have you done that? Well, partly because I can, due to a mm -hmm. most marvellous manager in pop music, mm -hmm. She pushed a document in front of me in 1985 and required me to sign it. And, of course, I signed it without looking like any self-respecting pop star would. <laughs> but instead of her sort of taking all my money, she actually initiated a pension scheme. And it matured on my 60th birthday and provided me with the means to retire, which is very wow. nice. Wow, um, lovely. But, but more importantly, it was – I've realised two and a bit years after David's death – that I need mm -hmm. to go somewhere else and do something different because I would make a bad Miss Havisham. Actually, I think I'd make rather a good Miss Havisham sitting mm -hmm. surrounded by the relics of an absent love and mm -hmm. being a custodian of his memory in an unchanging way and a, a deeply appealing notion in some ways, and David would have adored it. Mm -hmm. But I did come to think... And that lovely spring of lockdown as the flowers came out and the garden went bananas and the birds sang, I thought, I'm not done. And I'd like to have another, some more life after mm. this. And his mother said, 
Irene. She said, yeah, you've got to do that. And I thought, well, if there is another life to lead, then I need to do it tomorrow. And also, I've been 11 years at Finden, and mm-hmm. I think I've exercised my virtues, but I have also been unable to entirely conceal my shortcomings. And I think mm-hmm. somebody here who's good at the stuff I'm bad at would be really, really good. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they don't, they don't exist. So, But you will have to move out of the vicarage. I'm in the middle of moving out. It's the most traumatic experience since bereavement. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's, yeah. Is that just the packing or is it more the memory? Well, what I've done, this is terrible, but what the hell. So the day after I retire, the dogs and I will get in the motor car and drive somewhere and decant ourselves for three days into a little cottage. And my PA and her team will do the entire move. And then I will leave the cottage and drive to my new house and all my socks will be in a drawer. Goodness me. Well, that is all presumably thanks to that manager who pushed that piece of paper in front of you. Well, that also. And so I got, this is great. If you're a vicar, you can sort of stand blinking on a street corner and people will think you're otherworldly and help you to the mm-hmm. bus stop. I remember doing that to a friend of mine who's a vicar. I saw him blinking on the platform at King's Cross Tube Station. I said, you're right, Donald. He went, Ugh. And then so I sort of led him by the hand and put him on his train and felt like I'd been, you know, helped an old lady with her shopping. And then as he drove away, I thought... You grew up in Manhattan. Um, (laughs) So I think it's one of the manipulative things that clergy do to get people to do stuff for us. But also I think what's great about it is um, you, not the packing thing, but I think I I always have this sense that you can't, one, you can't control how long your life is. But you also, you, you can't make it longer. But what you can do is fill it with more and i think you know i don't i don't know enough about you and and david as in because we don't know each other obviously i've read your books and things but it's like but i think to move on in any chapter forget about it being a bereavement or whatever to fill your life with chapters is a life well lived is what i'm trying to say i hope so and anyway i kind of found that i had resolved to do it and Mm. um and the people who are closest to me and around me thought, yeah, that would be a good idea too. They keep trying to send me on dates though, Chris, which ah. I've never known people so frantically, especially women friends of a certain age, I have to say. The postman delivers the letter and they're kind of asking him if he's free for lunch perhaps. So <laughs> I'm being sort of asked to date an awful lot. And uh, I like the idea of meeting someone nice and personal and everything. But I just reach a blank when I think about escalating mm. it to something more. Well, first things first, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Uh, but secondly, I'm reminded that you said that David kind of marched into your life and said, you and me are happening. Exactly. So, do you know how he, how we got hitched? He no. said, we are going to form a civil partnership. And if you don't do it, I'm going to get off with somebody else who's interested in me. <laughs> I love that. Pushes people into action. Yeah, and also, see, I can think of a million reasons not to marry someone, a million reasons not to get a dog, a million reasons not to move house. But sometimes what David was very good at was just seeing that action was called for. And Mm. he was very brave about stuff like that. And he would take matters in hand. Mm. He was the big vision for your lives type thing. Yeah, it was a weird thing. I mean, if I were to do a checklist of 
attributes I would require in a life partner, David would not have got through the first triage. He really wouldn't, um, which just tells you something about the paucity of one's own imagination about your own needs. But uh, <laughs> yes. uh, he was he was he was great for me. He really was very good for me indeed. And I think that's what I miss most is he was really good for me. And, mm. you know, we were greater than the sum of our parts. And although life with him was sometimes incredibly difficult because he was an alcoholic, which killed him, um, mm. when that was not a walk in the park, I wouldn't have missed any of it, really. Um, and I don't know how you get there again with somebody else, but I do know. I sometimes think you close down a bit in widowhood because you don't have to deal with the reality of the other person in the everyday mm -hmm. 24-7 kind of way that you do. You will know this as a married man. Um, mm. And I sometimes think I could close down into a sort of pernickety bachelorhood. My new house mm. looks like where the widowed gay vicar lives. And you can right. imagine frantic embroidery happening within <laughs> tiny, tiny needlework of absolutely exacting, minuscule accuracy going on. And I don't want to go there, Chris. Yeah, I know what you mean. You've got to be open to stuff. It doesn't mean you have to do anything, but you do, I think, uh, no good lies in the way of not being open to any kind of experience. Yeah. And you might just learn something. You know, that's the thing I'm always trying oh, to say I to myself. I so agree. And isn't that just the wonderful thing, is that you might just learn something and you will find... Thomas Aquinas, one of my favourite saints, who wrote... The summa theological, the greatest summation of, of thought in Catholic history. He had a, we think it was a stroke, although I mean, they didn't call it that then, this was in the 13th century. And afterwards he said he'd written millions, literally millions of words of densely, subtly argued doctrine. And he said, everything I have written and thought is chaff. Really? Yeah. Do you know how he died? No. He fell off a donkey and died. You know that thing where they say, oh, you're more likely to fall off a donkey and die than die in a plane crash. He actually did fall off a donkey and die. Yes. And do you, I mean, would you ever have kids or anything? Is that anything you would seek to, or did you ever talk about it with David? David was dying for kids, but unfortunately, mm -hmm. because of his drinking, he was not capable of um, mm. executing the duties of parent. Uh, I've got mm. nephews and nieces who I adore and godchildren. And they've all weirdly just grown up. Um, but I, I, I have, we have a church school here, and, I'm, and I love the kids there. And I, I do, you know, lots of kids come with parish ministry. Kids of my own. I've never felt particularly broody, actually. David did, but whenever he got madly broody, we'd buy another sausage dog. We had a 1.7, mm. which tells you something about the surging hormonal soup that was happening in here. <laughs> And now you're down to two, is that right? Two very old, very malodorant, bad-tempered and uh, unpredictable Daxons, yeah. Well, is, is there any other kind I need to show oh, you? Oh, hello, Ridley. Oh, he's so pretty. Look at him. Daisy, has a, <laughs> she has a look of utter contempt for me <laughs> that is plain to everyone. I've had strangers stop me and say, man, that dog hates you. I, mean, I know, I know, but I'm stuck with her. isn't Richard delightful good luck in your next chapter Richard with moving out of your home good luck with the dating should you wish to engage I mean what a catch that man is what a wonderful raconteur beautiful writer wonderful soul yeah love him let us know what you thought of that at homo sapiens on instagram 
hello at homo sapiens podcast.com uh at homo sapiens podcast on facebook and uh tiktok not existing yet never going to exist maybe i think we should go on tiktok what do we want to do on tiktok though listeners unless you write in and tell me what you want from a homo sapiens tiktok we won't do it so please could you write hello at homo sapiens podcast.com <clears throat> also might be helpful to let me know what tiktok is what do we think is going to take over after tiktok Anyway, one to mull. We've got Munro Bergdorf on the show, international sensation, activist, model, fashion icon, next week, talking about many things, including the exclusion of trans people from the ban on conversion therapy. Really interesting chat, this. And we go and talk about many other things. Munro is a absolute lifeline, as far as I'm concerned. I adore her. I've loved her for so long. She's been on the podcast before. This is a wonderful chat. Can't wait for you to hear it. Happy Pride, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Powered by Spirit Studios.